0: Unofficial Bengals Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host Frank Laplaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, this episode is going to be our special mid-season roundtable, and we're going to welcome in Tom McLevy, Sands, and Justin Lacey and we're going to talk about all the Bengals hot topics up to this point.
2: What's up, Bengal Nation? This is Adrian, the Madbacker Ross. And you're listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast.
1: day! Welcome to the unofficial Bengals podcast roundtable featuring Tom levy, Sands, and Justin Lacey. All right, here we are with the 2021 midseason roundtable. It's the third one in the history of the unofficial Bengals podcast. And I have some heavyweight guests for you today. First off, I want to introduce, originally from Morristown, New Jersey, and now he's hanging out by the Bay, by the Ocean in Ocean City, Maryland. Lifelong Bengals fan, been a friend of mine for decades, been a friend of mine since Mania. you know, just a, a fan of all things Cincinnati, so we have Tom McLeavy. Then I want to introduce one of the hottest X and O's guy out there. He's on Locked on Bengals. He's on any show imaginable. Everyone wants this guy on on their show because he just knows so much about the inner workings of football. It's been a pleasure becoming his friend over the years. When Joe Burrow got hurt, he was one of the first ones to call me and be like, Frank, don't jump off a bridge. So, you know, I want to thank him and an excellent guest as well. And that's Sands. And then also a newcomer to the Bengals scene and look out for this guy. And it's going to be a matter of time before he's got his own show. And, you know, I'm going to be probably asking him to give me a call and he won't get back to me. He's going to be so busy. So um, he brings a lot of thoughtful insights, a lot of philosophical insights, and has been a great new addition to the show. And that's Justin Lacey. So Tom, Sands, Justin, welcome. And how are you guys?
2: Hey, guys. How you doing? Man, I'm doing fabulous, guys. It's so honored to be on the show with you, everyone. Yeah, doing great.
1: Excellent, excellent. All right, so you know what? Let's not waste any time. Let's get right down to the first question. What has been the highlight of the season for you up to this point? And we're going to start with Tom. Tom, what's the highlight right now of, of 2021 for you?
0: I would have to say, uh, Jamar Chase, uh, how he has come into the league after a subpar preseason that everybody was jumping on him in the media saying he's a bust to coming out and catching everything in sight basically and really turning the NFL on its head of how impactful
3: he's
1: been. 100% agree with that. Sands, what's been your highlight of the year so far? Yeah,
3: I was say the Ravens game. I think that was the highlight of the season so far. Uh, I mean, Just, I guess that fits with Jamar Chase going for, like, 200 yards against Marlon Humphrey. But, yeah, that whole game was the peak of my season thus far.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. It was almost like the changing of the guard that game. Like, hey, you know what? You're not the top dogs anymore. We are. Justin, what about you? What's what's your top moment of the season so far?
2: I feel like we made a statement back in week three when we went on the road to Pittsburgh. I understand that Pittsburgh is kind of depleted a little bit. They're getting older. Big Ben is not what he once was. But I feel like that, that was the game that I kept telling other Bengals fans, if you want to win in the AFC North specifically, it was Pittsburgh that always had your number for many, many years. Last year, during the uh, when we got that early Christmas gift on Monday Night Football, we, win it, we won. And then this year, that was the start of it because that was the first game, if I'm not mistaken, where we weren't favorite to win that game. And then we ended up going on the road to win. But, yeah, also second one, uh, Santa said, Baltimore was just a, the icing on the cake and the changing of the guard, too.
1: I agree. Both of those games were were defining for this season. To go on the road in Pittsburgh, which has been a nightmare for us, and to go on the road on Baltimore, especially against Lamar, who's been a nightmare for us. So very defining moments. For me specifically, there's a few different things. I'm not going to ramble about them, but I did really like the Jamar Chase block against the Lions. I love the Jamar—I mean, it's all Jamar Chase at this point. I know Burrow was on the other end, but I love the Jamar catch against the Steelers where it looked like Burrow overthrew him. But if if I'm going to pick one particular play—and I agree with you guys on the Steelers and Ravens game, and I agree with you, Tom, on Jamar, Jamar, Jamar. But I would say the specific play that did it for me was when he caught the— when Jamar caught the pass against three Ravens and spun out of that tackle and went all the way. I was screaming— I actually tripped over a stool. I think I took a harder hit than Jamar did on that play because mm-hmm. I'm prancing around my, my kitchen and I tripped over a stool and I was like, what are we seeing here? What are we seeing? So just from a, a personal euphoric moment, it was that specific play. I'm in agreement with you guys on, on all of those things. And, you know, it's nice that we're here heading into week 10 and we have a ton of great moments that we have that we can reflect upon. Um, you know, let's let's move on to the next question. Right now we're five and four. In your guys' opinion, have we exceeded, met, or fallen short of your expectations? And, Justin, we'll start with you on this question. So,
2: at 5-4, and four, beginning of the season, I kind of had 5-4 where we were, give or take. Um, some of the losses I wasn't expecting, like against the Jets and like against Cleveland. Um, I actually thought that we were going to win both of those games at one point. Uh, you know, as I was laying out the schedule doing like a little bit of my circle wins and the reason why I say the Cleveland Browns that we beat them as a surprise win because it's at home, but the totality of it, I think that we, I think they have exceeded my expectations thus far. I um, mean, not just by, just by virtue of the record wise, it's we have three players, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and Joe Mixon. They're all in the top five in the statistical categories. They've honestly have been fun to watch just like I predicted, but they've little be, they, they really exceeded my expectations. And sort of just kind of compelled themselves into this world of hey, we are a team that you can start to fear now. So that would be my thing. They they've they've met to exceed my expectations.
1: Very well put. Sans what what are you thinking at five and four?
2: Yeah, I think just the record,
3: five and four, that's kind of meeting my expectations, although like Justin said, we're getting there, losing to the Bears and the Browns but beating the Ravens and I kind of expected somewhere around five and four now a few weeks ago they exceeded my expectations because they were five and two and I was thinking, oh they might get six and three seven and two by the bye week but a couple of rough games and now it's more meet my expectations
1: I agree with you on that I'm, I'm feeling the same way it's about what I expected looking at the season on paper Tom, w- what are your opinions on this topic
0: um, I'm gonna uh, agree with both of them meet and exceed. Due to the fact that, uh, yes, they checked off some things that they were lacking previously, meaning winning on the road. Uh, they accomplished that. couple tough losses to Green Bay and Chicago. And then coming to the last two weeks, you know, that's where it's deciding, where they exceeded on the road wins, beating Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Uh, they, You know, I'm going to give them a meet with the 5-4 and four record. Uh, so the second half is going to be a, a tell-all tale tell for this team. But um, meet to exceed, I, I would give them.
1: That's a strong take. And actually, Tom, that brings me to my next topic, the two-game losing streak that we're currently on. So I want to ask you guys individually, what do you think are the main things that contributed to our recent two-game losing streak? And I'd like to start with Sands on this one.
3: I think that linebacker play, specifically, I thought Logan Wilson was having a career year, but he's kind of had two bad games in a row. I'm sure he'll turn it around, but he was a big issue in the Jets game and then not great in the Browns game, although better just the defense in general regressing really hurt and then turnovers both games you can attribute to some key turnovers causing big shifts uh the interception on the screen pass and then i don't know was it three turnovers in the browns game including a pick six so i think if they shore up the turnovers and the defense can get back to the pre-jets game form then this team's going to be hot again and looking to make a playoff spot in the second half
1: of the year yeah i mean you point to that linebacker play and i think that's from an x's and o's standpoint that has been very damaging the last two games and you're right logan wilson i was like man he might go to the pro bowl this year the way he was playing in the the first few games and you know he came back down to earth hopefully you can get in their head a little bit sands and we could pick this up again but you know we'll see how that how that goes tom what are your thoughts on the two-game losing streak and and why is it happening
0: Well, you know, after the Baltimore game, we can pretty much, you know, the defense was playing a little above what they were thought of going into the year. You know, we've talked before, Frank, everything is tape. Coaches see tendencies, offensive tendencies, defensive tendencies, and when they can overlook this, I think, after that Raven game, there must be something on that tape that coaches started to realize. I mean, how can you get blown out by the Jets? After looking at what they've done the last couple weeks, I think Zach Taylor has to start throwing curveballs around. So my thing is, I think that they've put things on tape that coaches for other teams picked up and are realizing the dependencies of the Bengals both offensively and
1: defensively. You know what, Tom? I do agree on that because you're seeing a lot more. I mean, you've I've seen Jamar Chase single-covered more than I thought, but you know, teams are starting to pay a lot of attention to him. Teams are starting to use the running back and the flat against us because it worked with the Jets. And, you know, in my opinion, it almost coincided with the media blowing us up. Hey, we're the first seed in the AFC. That you know, the Bengals are one of the best teams in the league. I and although like we had the mentality of not buying into the hype, and you know everything you read seemed like the players were still grounded. I'm almost wondering if that got to us a little bit, and you know maybe maybe wrecked the last two weeks for us. I don't know. It's just, just my thoughts on that.
0: I well uh, I bought in, and uh, the uh, Cincinnati Enquirer Paul Do- Doherty wrote. Be careful. We've been down this road before. So, you know, the, the last two weeks have been really, a, you know, a punch in the gut for us as fans. But um, hopefully this bye week we
2: can uh, turn it around.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. And I'm hoping that at the end of the season we're not, like, hearing the name Mike White in our nightmares because, I mean, that was just really an inexcusable loss. You, you can point to a million aspects of that game, but the fact that the Jets have, have done so poorly since is just like, it's just so inexplainable that we played that badly in such an important game for us. We'd be sitting in a much different spot right now if we would have shown up that day. But I, I guess I guess that's how it goes. <laughs> Sands, what do you think on, on that thought? I wanted to get your opinion on, you know, getting overblown by the media. Do you think it had any psychological impact on the team?
3: It could. They're a young team too, so like, when they hear things like that, they're not as used to with the used to saying like okay, we're gonna tune it out, we're just gonna play, do our thing. They'll say that, but it's a difference between having done that before. You look at the teams that have had sustained success, and the reason that they don't go away is because they don't they don't care what the, the media's gassing them up. They're like okay, but we gotta think of the Patriots. Like we gotta do our job. We got that's just one week. It doesn't matter what anybody's saying. We just have to keep winning week to week and. The Jets game specifically definitely kind of felt a little bit like, I, I don't know if it was just players or, it I mean, the defense, the calls on the defense were a lot less disguise, a lot more spot drop into zone zones and linebackers dropping too deep, things like that that didn't really challenge the quarterback. It was kind of like they're overlooking their opponent like they think they should win.
1: And that was happening to the Jets this week. They, you know, they were sending a couple defensive backs to the line. They were confusing Mike White. And the Bills got him to throw four picks. And I thought that would have been a good strategy for us that game, almost taking the Ravens' idea of, like, crowding seven, eight guys at the line of scrimmage. I know, Sands, we've talked about that before. Um,
3: yeah, I actually, I actually wrote a piece on uh, when the Bengals sent defensive backs and linebackers at Mike White. He was one of six for eight or two of – six for eight yards and an interception everything else he destroyed
1: that's Mm. killer I'm I'm, they should have rode that hot hand and continued that I guess the coaching staff kind of sleepwalked through that game based on you know we thought it was going to be a cakewalk Justin you're always my go-to guy with you know giving the team a little bit of a morale boost what would you say if you were in the locker room after this two-game loss now heading out to the west coast to play a game that's really important for playoff position what would be your your words to the team.
2: Well, I will actually start off by saying this. You know, just kind of, you know, double back on the the, um, the the morality from the Jets loss and obviously also the Cleveland loss too. I'm going to adopt something that I have taken from Jimmy Johnson. His approach was the balance beam theory. You know, when a, a gymnast, when they walk the balance beam, you know, do all these performance and the actions on the balance beam, it takes a lot of hard work and a lot of practice. Take that balance beam and just put it flat on the floor and tell every single player to walk on it. Everybody can walk on it perfectly fine and not fall off of it. Now, you take that same balance beam and put it up 15 feet in the air and then tell them to walk on it. Now, your pressure in your psyche is going to be, don't fall, don't fall, don't fall. And then what's going to happen? You're going to fall. So with that Jets game, I really attribute to that, that yes, it had a little bit of the media pressure as what everyone has already alluded to because they were kept thinking to themselves, this could be a trap game. This could be a trap game. They talked about all week. This could be a trap game. This could be a trap game. We got Cleveland coming. This could be a trap game. And then what happens? You lose the trap game, and you both, and you double down it and lose at home against the Browns. But you're still not out of it. Look at the AFC. The entire AFC. Just about everybody's five and four. You know, um, some people have lost games they should not have lost. The Bills lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars last week and didn't even score a touchdown. So, uh, there's so many things that's just so wide open. You still are one of the better teams in the whole entire conference. Yes, I get it. This is a young team. Joe Burrow is in my eyes playing like the best quarterback in the division in spite of the turnovers. I see he's playing like the best quarterback in the entire conference in general. So, everything's still laid out in front of you. You'll be fine. You know, just go to, go, to, uh, go to Los Angeles ready to punch them in the mouth. They've gone through a lot of turmoil themselves and You know, everything's, everything's filled out. They'll be fine. You know, just don't focus too much on the bad, even while planning for it, because the bad is going to happen at some point. And you're going to, and you're going to feel bad not being able to recover when it does happen.
1: I love the take. That's motivational. In the old days, I think they, against the Chiefs years back, they brought a shovel into the locker room, you know, to like kind of shovel and keep working, keep digging, I could see Justin Lacey walking down the hall of Paul Brown Stadium with a balance beam and throwing it in the locker room, being like, boys, hop on, because uh, you got to get your mind straight.
0: Going on that that, uh, on Justin's tape, you know, years past, the difference compared would be we would lose to the Ravens and beat the Jets, and you'd be like, you know, uh, well, you know, we still can't compete, but you know, we beat the hell out of the Ravens and then lost to the Jets. So, you know, it was a different take this year on looking at this team compared to the rest of the league. And just right, nobody's really taking control this NFL.
1: Yeah, I agree, and you know that's that's a good thing for us, I guess, at this point, being that we're just hovering around five hundred. That kind of everyone else is so it still bodes well for our postseason hopes um let's move on to the next question so I've been thinking about this a lot I see how we match up with Pittsburgh I think Ben is done you know you you keep Watt off of Burrow and you're probably going to end up beating them and that's what happened in game one Ravens I don't know if we figured out the code on Lamar or maybe the league did with the corner blitzes and I don't know all that stuff It seems like we kind of cracked the code on those two teams. The problem is the Browns. And I hate to say it because, you know, they're an in-state rival. You think that we're the better team, but they're a massively talented team. If you look up and down their roster, there are so many good players on that team. And it seems like we match up poorly against them. You know, our, our interior defensive line is very strong and has made a difference in a lot of games this year. And they basically have three pro bowlers on their interior offensive line. We, ha- we sometimes have a hard time stopping the run, at least in recent weeks. They have one of the best running backs in the league. You know, it, the list goes on on, on the, the poor matchups. Sands, how do we fix this? How do we get past Cleveland? What, what would be your strategic take at this point?
3: Yeah, so what they're doing, uh, the Browns, when they play the Bengals, because the Bengals like to get into a bare front, which puts a lot of beef in the interior. They've got Reeder, Joby and Hill all on the field at the same time. So they like to pull guards, run power and counter, and the Bengals are trying to what's called box that inside, which means they usually have a Jermaine Pratt or somebody on the end, and he's going to force the first pooler. He's going to try to stand him up so that the hole's squeeze down, and then they need the end on that side to hold the double team and all this. You need so many guys to do their job to box the counter. Instead, they could spill it, which is the exact opposite. They're going to force it outside, and everybody just runs to the ball. I wrote about this as well. I just think that's an easier way to play it. What they're doing, they just – sometimes guys are doing a good job, but it's just somebody else didn't do a good job, and then it ends up being a 50-yard gain or just maybe a 15, 20-yard gain. But it's those are killers, and just a few of those are really – really puts you at a disadvantage so in my opinion it kind of takes a philosophical change from the Bengals to try to combat the browns power run game is to try to bounce make them bounce everything outside away from those very talented offensive linemen and i know nick chubb's an all pro too but i'd rather face one all pro than like three or four so you make them bounce it outside and have multiple guys there are ready to tackle so that that's what i would do Really you just need to be able to stop their run because as we've seen time and time again, I mean, as long as you're shifting your safeties around and disguising your coverage, Baker Mayfield is kinda of lost.
1: <laughs> wow. I didn't even I didn't even think about that as a take on that. And you're right. Why why fight in the middle when you can just, you know, push Chubb to the outside and make some tackles on the edge? And that's assuming that we make those tackles on the edge, which we didn't do against the Jets, but we have been doing all year. I mean, if you look at Von Bell, Awuzie, Hilton, Bates, they're all pretty good tacklers, you know, and even Logan Wilson has shown a lot more strength this year. So Sands, again, I'm, I'm hoping someone from the front office is reading these articles because you, you have some really good insights on what to do from this point. Justin, what's, what's your opinion on how do we get past the Browns?
2: I was definitely about to, you know, allude to the this point because that's some, that's some definitely great extras and O's stuff right there. So to um, do the best of my ability is not necessarily read people, but actually take the more the mentality approach. It's the same mentality that I said before um, when getting over that Pittsburgh hurdle and the Baltimore Ravens and the Lamar Jackson hurdle. We got to stop making Cleveland bigger than what they are. And I think that that's what the team is doing. Um, I get it. Cleveland has not been good for many, 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 many years. And we've had their number, you know, like the little brothers of the division. But let's call it what it is. You know, Baker's now 6-1 against the Bengals. Um, albeit it caught us in a rebuild for the last couple of these seasons and whatnot. When he first came in the league and Andy Dalton was playing bad football. 2019, same thing. We were playing bad football in 2020, doing Burroughs rookie year. But nonetheless... Cleveland is filling up themselves right now with, they think that every time that they play the Bengals, that they're easily going to get a win. And the problem is that we look like that we are so hell-bent on trying to stop the run game so much when it comes to the Cleveland Browns rushing attack that we forget about other things where we could just naturally be ourselves. I'm just going to just take it to the game before when they went against Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh didn't look at that like, oh, well, we got to stop Nick Chubb. They look at that as like, you know, we are a really great defense too. I understand they got Miles Garrett on one side, but we got TJ Watt. They don't have any all pro left tackles or right tackles anymore up there in Pittsburgh. They just got guys that have straight mental toughness that just goes out there and block. And if Miles Garrett sort of kind of gets his rocks off a little bit, gets a sack or two, maybe, then it's just gonna happen. But Pittsburgh's mental focus is we're just gonna beat the team. And I think the Bengals just need to do that too. And secondly, with just straight to what Sands is saying too about Baker, he is not Burrow. Uh, Burrow can beat you in so many different facets as a quarterback with way more talent. Baker is just, everything has to be perfect around him. Cleveland's just so happy that they have themselves in an Andy Dalton, and we keep forgetting that. We have the better quarterback right now. I don't even know if they even want to pay Baker a lot of money this time around. So my mentality approach is, let's just stop making Cleveland bigger than who they are. I personally think that the Bengals, when next time they do play Cleveland up there in Cleveland at the end of the season, we'll beat them. But the team has to... You know, showcase themselves that oh, we're not scared of Cleveland. We ain't scared of Nick Chubb. You know, Cream Hunt when he comes back, and De'arnest Johnson now. You know, Endemutochukwu and Dimitri Keown, all the weapons. You know, so I think that will be the the approach that I would say to stop this losing streak against the Browns.
1: I like it. Yeah, and that and that Week 18 matchup, I believe it is, is going to be. I think there's going to be a lot on the line in that game, so it's going to be a fun game to watch. And again, yeah, ho- definitely. hopefully, they're hearing all of our takes on this to get to get some good advice. Tom, what, do you, what are you thinking on, on the whole, on the way that we match up against the Browns? And is there any hope there? And, you know, where do we go from here?
0: Justin's take is exactly right. I mean, we're we making Baker Mayfield look like an all-prop. And, you know, then the following week, he's typical Baker Mayfield. I'm just taking it that Cleveland goes in there and saying, you know, we're going to beat him. We're just going to beat them at the line of scrimmage, so it's uh, a mentality thing, but it's also a uh, a roster thing too. I think at this point.
1: I'm hoping that we can get it solved by that last game. We, you know, we have to figure out a, a different plan because what we're doing against them has not been working over the last few games. You know, obviously the one well, this my, year and last year they well, made us look really bad.
0: My my take with the roster plan, you know, we're thin at. You know we're we're good at starters, but you know we've been healthy as of right now. And by the time the last game of the season comes, you, you gotta imagine there's gonna be injuries to our uh, to our starters. So you know it's gonna be interesting if we have the depth that people could come off the bench and 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 comp- and compete and play like the starters have
1: been. Yeah, you're right, Tom. We've kind of dodged the injury bug up to this point. I know there's been a couple season-ending injuries, but not any real major stars for us have gotten injured. And, you know, just judging by the NFL, it isn't just a matter of time before someone important goes down. I hope we're wrong, but it's it's somewhat inevitable. All right, let's move on to the next question. So I'm going to ask this in two parts. So first, I want to ask Sands from an X and O standpoint basically about the beating that joe Burrow seems to be taking every game win or lose Sans, what i wanted to talk to you about first was what are your thoughts on the offensive lines protection of him up to this point or just the offense in general's protection of him
3: yeah it's uh i mean i won't say it's been good <laughs> but i i I think it's been about the level you would have expected this year, if not a tiny bit better, especially from the offensive line where a lot of the sacks have come from running backs and tight ends missing their blocks. uh, The offensive line, yeah, they've given up their own fair share of sacks and hits, but to me, uh, other than when they get into must-pass type of downs, third and long, when they're trailing big, like against Cleveland in the second half, they've done a pretty good job of keeping Burrow upright. I do think that, the right guard has been an issue no matter who it is. And Adanji wasn't really great this past week, but he's starting again. And I do think some of what he went through was rust. So you solidify that spot. And if Hopkins can ever get back to form, I mean, that's been a big issue as well. He's doing a fine job setting his protections, even if people are missing their blocks. It's, it's the physical side where your center shouldn't be given up multiple sacks in a year, let alone he did in one game before. So need him to get back to where he was prior to his injury and be a stabilizing force in the middle of the offensive line because the tackles have been solid, Quentin Spain's been good, right guard's been an issue, and center's been an issue, so it's mainly those two spots that need to look at for improvement throughout the year.
1: Yeah, and that's tough when you think about it. I mean, we're just attributing, well, there's just a position or two, but we basically have three positions that are playing decently on the line, two positions that aren't And, you know, we've all watched the games in detail. And you see, you know, Jonah has his mental lapses. Reef has his mental lapses. So, you know, they give up a pressure or a sack here and there. The interior guys blow a few plays. And you're seeing Burrow just take an immense amount of hits. Tom, what what were your thoughts from the last game where we're kind of out of the game and we're just hell-bent on trying to score another touchdown. And we do get that touchdown. But in the process, Joe Burrow gets hit five times.
0: You know it's it's mind-boggling how you know this coaching staff. Although they're they're above five hundred, how if God forbid Joe Burrow goes down? I mean, on a, a situation like that where they're out of the game, but he's still in the game. I mean, I, it's mind-boggling, and it goes back to free agency. This team did not address the free agent that were on the market for the offensive line. Even if it was one-year deals, it kept people in there. It's it's mind-boggling, and it's scary going on the rest of the season.
1: And, Tom, I agree with you there, and I think that was an intelligent take how you referenced free agency because, you know, we all were thinking maybe Sewell's the answer. We see that he's really struggling this year, and we see how Jamar Chase is a game-changer. So we obviously made the right move there. And, yeah, I mean, basically we just – we re-signed Spain, who's a good player, and we signed Reef, who's a good player. But they could have done a lot more in free agency to, to bolster this this squad. And, uh, you know – I agree. And next year we have some money to spend. And I assume we're going to be picking somewhere in the 20s, maybe 32 if we're lucky. I don't know. But, you know, they're going to have to address that position. They're going to have to address the offensive line again in this off offseason. And, and I'm sa- – last year I said bring in four guys – you know, it ended up being really one new starter or two, actually, if you count Jackson Carmen. I'm saying the same this year. I'm saying you need to bring in two starting quality offensive linemen, whether it's a first or second round guard and a free agent or whatever. Justin, what are your thoughts on, A, the hits that Burrow's taking, and B, the front office strategic decision to add talent next year to protect Joe Burrow?
2: Yeah, I'll start off with the uh, Burrow taking a lot of hits so far this season, then I'll address the second question um, as well. too. But Burrow taking too many hits, we all don't like to criticize Joe Burrow because, you know, we, we put him up on a high pedestal as Bengals fans, and deservedly so. You know, he's a guy that's going to lead us to the promised land. But he has to get a little bit smarter about manipulating defenses with his eyes like he's always been before and getting the ball out a little bit quicker if it's not there. Um, I understand that he, he wants to make the big play sometimes. But he also has to warrant that sometimes it's, hey, if the play is dead, just throw it away. You know, just throw it at the feet of, you know, the player that you were trying to throw the ball to. If it's like a screen blow up or something like that. And to just get out of dodge, and then just live to fight another day. You know, sometimes I'm saying you gotta do that all the time. You don't have to quit it and throw it out of bounds on fourth and three, like you know, like some quarterbacks, Andy Dalton. um But you know, I say that I, I just say that just a little bit of constructive criticism as a little bit of helpful feedback from him, so that way he can avoid taking unnecessary hits when he doesn't have to. um Secondly, when it comes to offensive line and a front office decision. A lot of people know that I've talked to about it before the draft started. I was team Chase all the way, and I will never back down from that horse, even if it does turn out to be that Chase ends up being a bust. If he does, I don't think so, and we all don't see that happening. Or if Sewell ends up turning out to be a Hall of Famer, I still will look at this as that was a great, aggressive, I want to go out there and win type of decision. But you would also have hoped that they would have you know, developed a little bit more resources onto the offensive line. But one thing that I just made the statement was get the tackles right before going to the draft. You already got Jonah Williams. That's good. They luckily signed Riley Reeve after getting cut from Minnesota. If Minnesota doesn't make that cut, do we still draft Jamar Chase? Or what do we do then? You know, I mean, who who knows? And honestly, who cares at this point? Because I think Riley Reed, while he has a little bit of issues, a little bit here and there, but I still think he's been doing a fine job. I mean, Sands, you know better as far as like PFF grades off the top of your head, maybe. But Last time I looked at he was actually not doing a bad job. And so I think that the tackles position is just fine as was Sands alluded to. The interior guard play is a little bit shaky, but it's not so shaky where it's just there's donkeys all over the place. Like you got Fred Johnson starting at guard or you know, Alex Redmond at guard and false start Central, but it's a little shaky and unstable and you want to solidify that. And then Trey Hopkins, you know, we, we, we gave the shot of Trey Hopkins coming back from his you know big ACL tear as well, too. But you, now you recognize this is becoming an issue with him, and you have to get that address moving forward. I think they, they did a great job as far as, like, baselining the entire offensive line to just make sure that they're just about average. And that's where they've been. So I don't have too much problems with it, but they just need to gel a little bit more in unison and make sure that Burrow needs to stop taking all those hits.
1: Yeah, Justin I agree with that I agree that the offensive line is improved over last year you know I want to circle back on something that Tom and Justin brought up and I want to ask you this question sans do you think that do you think that burrows focusing in on chase too much and defenses are catching on to it and is that the reason why Boyd has kind of disappeared like wh- what are you seeing when you watch the tape on on that burrow chase connection vibe thing
3: yeah I I think Once in a while it happens. Uh the pick six is the first thing I think of. I mean, you it's a bad throw. Uh I think the throw was too far inside, but even if that gets outside, I think Denzel Ward still probably breaks it up. Um, not that T was wide open, but much safer play there with the same reward of a touchdown if he came off of Chase, but he looked at Chase pre snap, post snap and uh Chase doesn't do anything to get Denzel Ward to lose his eye contact with burrow so he's watching him the whole way and is able to jump that so i think that's an example of a time maybe he's leaning a little too much on his former teammate at lsu uh a couple times it feels like he's thrown the slant to chase no matter what the safeties have done the safety spins down to that side and he still tosses the slant to chase that was both on the really awesome catch that got tipped into the air and he made a diving second effort for it and then the other one was the second interception of the Browns game in my opinion got a little too locked on chase Uh, once you see a safety come down on that side that throws a real tight window type throw and you probably have something easier on the other side all of that said it's not too too bad it's not Andy Dalton to AJ Green at times but you do see it once in a while that he's He's kind of looking a little too a little too much at Chase's side. And I think just, I don't know, 5%, 10% less. And he could really, I mean, they'll get T and Tyler Boyd a little more involved, which I, I think Tyler Boyd's issue is a little bit more. The coaching staff hasn't figured out what they want to do with him ever since. They kind of cut out his main play because Burrow threw an interception on against Green Bay. They haven't really run it since. I think the coaching staff has to figure him out. But also, yeah, I would say a little bit too much for Burrow locking on the chase.
2: And a double back on that one, too, because uh, I like what he brought up with there, too. I think, yeah, Burrow, uh, Boyd is, I'm going to throw Higgins in there, too, more than Boyd uh, for me, personally, because I think T. Higgins, he's kind of having a sophomore slump. You know, He's been dropping a lot of passes um, in, in several games, that I can recall, even against the Green Bay game that we almost won, that we should have won. I remember distinctly that Burrow went to him a few times, and he just straight up had several drops. And, you know, same thing with the uh, Browns game where the first one was called back for a penalty, but then when Burrow just went and heaved it up again, Higgins had it right there in his hands again, and it was still another drop, unfortunately. And I just think that both Higgins and Boyd, it, I, I just feel like that they haven't truly stepped up as those guys that, could be number ones this day and number ones this day it's kind of put all the pressure that burrow has to go to jamar a little bit as well too which i think he also a little lean into why he's sort of locking in on his former lsu teammate and you know hey but why not i mean jamar has been making all the plays i mean he's he's gone deep and burned a lot of guys so far including Marlon humphries as we know of but I, I, I would add on top of what uh, Sands just said there, too, you know, that Higgins and Boyd just really haven't been those two and three guys that can be like 1A and 1B along with Jamar Chase.
1: Interesting take on that. You know, and coming into the season, I, I said it on multiple episodes of the podcast that I thought that Boyd was going to have 100 catches, 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns this year. Because last year, Burrow, when he was in there, was relying so heavily on him. Tom, I mean, what were your predictions? What What did you think Boyd was going to do coming into this year? Were you feeling he was going to put up the numbers that I'm saying, or were you thinking something less? No,
0: I, I, once they took Chase, somebody was going to. I mean, that's three premier wide receivers. There's only one ball, and always in the back of my mind, even though you know I was on Sewell, that was the media was chasing Sewell for the Bengals to address the offensive line. I'm wondering if the Bengals want that tight end from Florida that Atlanta took before them. I think that would round out the offense a little more than adding another wide receiver. I mean, even though Chase is great, he was a great pick, after thinking about it compared to the offensive lineman, due to the fact my feeling was – They feel they're going to draft later in the first round, and they might not have a chance anymore at a premier offensive threat. Also, you know, Joe Burrow might be just a little more than a year off of a very serious knee injury. I I would like to be a fly in the wall to see how he gets out of bed Monday morning, how he's performed up till. Now it's been phenomenal, but the the last week or two, with the the weird throws that he's been doing, I'm wondering if his knee is really acting up lately. And you know, hopefully this week off gave him a chance to rest that knee.
1: Wow, you know, I didn't even think about the lingering effects, and obviously it's still what not even a year since the injury, so that could be a factor. You know, he took a couple nice shots to the head. I did think he had a concussion a few weeks back against Green Bay that wasn't diagnosed. He's got the whole throat thing, and I've been on record as saying when you have an injury from the neck up, it really messes with you. Yeah, a shoulder is, is a problem, but anything concussion-wise, head-wise, face, neck, you're just not yourself. And there have been yeah. flashes where I didn't feel that he was himself this season. So uh, that that's a great analysis, Tom. Yeah, that's a
0: good point, too, with the uh... You know they're they're putting them in there, and it goes to your point on on last week's game, uh, keeping them in there. Why? You're you're getting blown out. Save this kid.
1: Yeah, I, I thought it was a li- little negligent. Just like I thought it was negligent against the Washington football team when he got hurt. You know what? I forget the numbers. It's been a while now, but I he, he had like thirty something pass attempts at halftime. And it's just like, I know he's the hot hand right now, but that's just, that's a little bit of negligence on the coaching staff. But you know what? I don't want to dwell on that. I, You know, I'm the last thing I want to see is a compromise, Joe Burrow. So I'm going to just get off that point, even, even though we all made some valid points regarding it. All right, let's move on to something else. I want to get your predictions on the re- remaining games for this year. And I know it's such an inexact science, right? Like we can say... Oh, yeah, we're going to beat the 49ers, but then what if Joe Burrow doesn't play that game? Or, you know, we're going to have a hard time against the Browns, but what if Chubb and Garrett are out? So we, we really can't foresee the future based on injuries or based on if teams are resting people. You know, there's, there's a whole bunch of factors that go in. So a lot of this is really just talk that doesn't mean a whole lot. But I think it would be fun just to get your guys' takes on the remaining games if everything remained the same as it is now if we would have a win or a loss so what i'll do is i'll intro intro the game and i'm just going to ask each one of you win loss win loss and just just give your best on it you're not committed to these decisions because we don't know what the future is going to hold but it'll just give a little baseline of what the unofficial Bengals podcast thinks our record is going to be so here we go at raiders big playoff implications because we're both five and four we're both fighting for that one of the wild card spots right now if not more and, you know, it's always tough going on, a, on the road to the West Coast. It's a 4 o'clock game. I mean, I saw Carr, a lot of people really like Carr. I, I think he's a cool guy, don't get me wrong. I just think he doesn't do well under pressure. Like, I think if you could get pressure on him, he's inaccurate. That's And I was watching the game last night to really get a, a good read on, on the Raiders. And that was one of the main things that I was seeing. I'm like, wow, when he's under pressure, he's very inaccurate and that's why he racks up those interception totals. When he's got a clean pocket, he's surgical. I get it. But I'm I'm not going to ramble about each game like this, but that's the next upcoming game. So here we are at Raiders. Tom, win or loss?
0: I'm sorry, but this is the the game that's going to foresee the rest of the season. I feel that they could beat the uh, Raiders.
1: Sands, win or loss?
3: Yeah, I'm going to go with a win because, uh, I mean, X's and O's wise, I think the Raiders are going to leave Jamar Chase and T. Higgins a lot of single coverage because they do that to everybody, and I think those guys
2: are going to take advantage of it.
1: Good point. Justin, win or loss?
2: This is an easy win for me. I don't care about the West Coast trip. I think they're looking forward to going out to Vegas, <laughs> if, if anything, because it's such an entertainment town. The only thing that I worry about is the matchup press rush problem with Max Crosby because he's having a stellar year himself, too. Uh, but I, I don't foresee the Raiders really you know, coming in their own and in this game, this being their get-right game. They just got throttled at home against Kansas City, who's getting right themselves. I'm not going to say the Bengals going to blow them out. But I, I think that this could be a pretty decently convincing win for me.
1: Yeah, if we take advantage of the bye week and rest up and really come in with a good scheme and a, and a clear mind, it should be a win. I'm not going to vote on this, but I, I do feel like it's a win. Alright, so let's rifle a little more quickly through the remaining games. So, home at Steelers. Tom, win or loss? Win. Sands, win or loss? Home against the Steelers. I
3: mean, after the last time I put the Steelers, I'm going to go with a win. I, I, TJ Watt actually got Injured, it looked like, in the last game, so that might be a big
2: deal, something to look for.
1: I saw that, too. Justin, win or loss? Yeah, I saw the T.J. Watt thing, too, and uh, but this time, I actually want him to play. I, I can't wait to go against T.J. Watt, because I'm still putting this down as a W. Love it. Home against the Chargers, Tom, Winterloss.
3: loss? I'm going to say loss. Sands? Yeah, it's three games in a row. I think the way the Chargers play is going to be rough on the Bengals' offense, so I'm going to go with the loss.
1: In what aspect?
3: In the aspect that they're going to want the Bengals to run the ball into these light boxes and play deep and try to basically bracket chase probably the entire game and still have another guy deep for Boyd and Higgins. And I don't know if Burrow and the Bengals are going to be able to slowly move the ball down the field, uh, running the ball like – like that because the offensive line is more built for pass protection, and I mean they've done an okay job so far. But I don't know. I, I, it's three games in a row too, so it's it's getting to the point where I I feel like it's going to be a tight game. But and they're at home. It's a long travel for the Chargers. I, there's definitely a possibility the Bengals win, and I could see myself looking like an idiot. But I would put this one down as a loss right now.
1: Fair enough, you, and you give good reasons why, Justin. What do you think in win or loss home against the Chargers?
2: Oh, man, I really want to go win again for three straight wins. It'll be the first time we did it all season. But for the first Burrow versus Herbert matchup, pretty much exactly what Sands is saying, I'm going to give this a close loss. And I think it's more because I don't know if our corners would be truly ready to battle against Justin Herbert and his, you know, deep play, the big play ability with Keenan Allen and, you know, Williams. And, you know, I think that I think this is going to be a close loss. But again, a
1: little loss. Yeah, I hear you guys on that. That's going to be a tough one. I personally would like to see us win that because I want to keep the Burrow over Herbert argument alive for us. But that's just for selfish reasons, I guess. All right, so home against the 49ers. Tom, win or loss?
3: That should be a win. Sands? Yeah, I have this one as a win right now I mean, they're kind of a team in disarray we'll see tonight they play the rams but if they lost to colt mccoy and the cardinals uh they're not looking as good as uh, they thought as we all thought they would
1: i agree on paper i thought it was going to be a tough game against them i'm feeling better about it now justin win or loss home against the 49ers
2: oh this is definitely a win although this do seem like it can be a little bit of a trenches matchup problem because they still have a really great front four um, on their D line compared to our offensive line, but this, this is still should be a win for
1: us. Okay, good. I like the way you guys are thinking. All right, here, here's another tough one, at Broncos. Now Broncos overachieved. Bridgewater, I don't, I don't know about him. Von Miller gone. Jer- I think Jerry Judy's hurt again. There's, there's a whole bunch going on, but we all know that it's very tough to go into Denver with the altitude as a road team, you know, that's, that's a very strong home field advantage. So with all those things said, Tom at Broncos, win or loss?
0: Yeah, I agree with everything you said. I I think uh, Denver played above their heads
3: at the beginning of the year. So I, this should be a win. Sands. I'm actually going to go with a loss here. I think it's tough to play in Denver. It's, the altitude, the long travel, and everything like that. Uh, I think they are a pretty good team, although they've lost Von Miller. We'll see if that really affects them throughout the year. Pretty good offense, pretty good defense. Uh, I think Vic Fangio is a great defensive coordinator type of coach, so I'm going to give it a close loss. Uh, I might get overruled though.
1: <laughs> okay, well, right now we're one-to-one. One. Justin, you care to break the tie? Um, at Broncos, wit- Well, <laughs>
2: you know I'm going to break the tie because I don't see it. <laughs> this game i don't care if it's at denver or if it's here at home although i do agree with Neil, uh, the altitude matter because it is a tough place to play but i'm just keep it real this this denver team is not good in my eyes um you know they were a very fool's goal three and no team to start the season and then baltimore pittsburgh exposed them even cleveland exposed them i just feel like that the talent is really bereft a little bit um i get it they are okay but they still miss. I mean, Patrick Sussain, I like what he's doing as a rookie corner. Um, they do have some weapons on offense that I do consider being okay. But none to the belief that I think that Teddy Bridgewater is going to out-throw Burrow. But then again, that Mike Mike White did, and that, that makes me mad. But
1: <laughs> got you.
2: I think I think this is a trap game, but the Bengals do overcome it and win it.
1: I'm going to interrupt this this conversation because something came up with Bridgewater. I, I'm sure you guys have heard or saw him totally not go for the tackle when they had that fumble oh, recovery. Yeah. I saw that. Now, I've seen Burrow throw his interceptions this year and really go crazy sticking his head in there. And I've been just like, you know what, coach him out of that. Do not have him try to make a tackle anymore. And I've, I've been very vocal about that point. But then when I see what Bridgewater did, that's kind of embarrassing and not good for team morale. So really, at this point in time, guys, I'm I'm kind of on the fence. Like, I don't want to see Burrow make a tackle and break his thumb like Andy Dalton hurt his shoulder whatever. Even on the one pick six with Ward, he got twisted weird and his, his leg bent in a weird direction. I was just, I'm just like, when you throw a pick, just get, get off the field. But then again, to double back, if you do something like Cam Newton did in the Super Bowl or something like Bridgewater did it's hard for guys to look at you as a leader so I'm just going to open it up to anyone who wants to answer that what are your opinions on that Does, do you want Burrow sticking his nose in for a tackle or you want him Olaying like Bridgewater or somewhere in the middle, what, what do you guys think
0: well I mean, I, I mean of course we don't want to see Burrow uh, first of all throwing interceptions but going for tackles but you know who knows what's in Teddy Bridgewater's mind He's bounced around the NFL, has, has had some tough breaks in his career of losing jobs because he's been hurt. So, I mean, what's in between? I, I don't know. What Run into a blocker? Uh, I guess you do that. But, you know, he's been through a lot in his career, Teddy Bridgewater. So he's like, I don't need another injury.
1: You know what, Tom, that, that's that's a good alternate perspective, and it really seems like he got into his mindset. I, I kind of believe that that was going through his head. Sans, Justin, any, any opinions on this topic?
3: Uh, for me, uh, I, I don't care about the optics. Just stay healthy and don't take the hit. I think as long as your, te- your team should know, like, Oh, I understand why you're not going for this tackle <laughs> because you're the quarterback yeah. and there's 10 other guys that should be able to make that play. I don't know. I I, I don't care about the optics. I'd rather he just gets out of the way.
1: Justin?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit of agreement there, too. Um, however, I will say this. I just say just it depends on the situation. I am a firm believer that just be a football player and then, you know, if you made a mistake, especially a bad interception and it's going back the other way for a pick six, and if you're not running down the person that's going and you're the only person left, I mean, I get it. You want to stay healthy and live the fight another day, but at the same time, I also, that dog mentality of a football player is like, I'm going to make this right and I'm going to take a bet and I'm not scared of being hurt. Also lives within me too. I also just utilize an example of back in 2005, we already know the Steelers beat us in a playoff game that week before, you know, obviously the carson Palmer knee injury. So we don't need to, I don't want to bring that up, you know, to kind of have PTSD for it. But I'm going to talk about the game afterwards when the Steelers went on the road to Indianapolis. Jerome Bettis fumbles the ball on the goal line when the the Steelers were about to get ready to go in to seal the win. And then the Colts picked it up and was running it right back. Well, Roethlisberger was the only person there, was running behind and then ended up making this, the tackle to save the season. Otherwise, it would have been a fumble recovery for a touchdown the other way. Colts would have won, went on to the championship in the Super Bowl a 05 season. But however, if that didn't happen, you know we, we wouldn't be talking about the Steelers' of Super Bowl champs back in 05 if it wasn't for Roethlisberger. So a part of me just feels like keep that dog mentality approach when it comes to being a football player, but I do agree with everyone. Say, be smart about it. You know, don't be stupid. If it's a pile of bodies right there, okay, it's just, you lost. Okay, you're, you're not going to make the tackle anyway. So it's just, it's get out of the way. <laughs> I, I guess looking at it, maybe,
0: maybe uh, the punter and the kicker can look at Petty Bridgewater like, you know, we'll, we'll, we would have went for the tackle, but you know, look at that. Everything else, you you got to be smart.
1: All right, so you guys have not really helped me because you've, you've made great points for either case, so I'm just still going to be on the fence. But either way, please, Joe Burrow, don't don't get involved in any crazy tackles I, because if he goes down, we're, we're done. But anyway, let's go back to the schedule. So we have three games left. Home against the Ravens. Now, we beat them in their park. You know, Martindale's got a little more tape on us than he did. What are your thoughts, Tom? A win or a loss home against Baltimore, second time we're facing them.
0: I'm going to say loss due to the fact that they're going to be mad that we just didn't beat them. We beat the hell out of them. Hopefully it's a close loss, but I'm going to have to say loss.
1: Fair enough. Good points. Sands, what are your opinions on the Ravens game?
3: (sighs) I'm going with a win. I, I know I just predicted a loss to Denver, but, I mean, this is just how the NFL works. And At home against the Ravens, I'm kind of feeling like they did the hard one. They won in Baltimore, so they have the slightly easier matchup. And yeah, Baltimore's going to, want to prove them wrong, but on the other side, the Bengals kind of have the recipe to upset the Ravens now. I mean, we'll see about the adjustments, but as of now, I'd predict a win.
1: I hope you're right, man. Justin, what are your thoughts?
2: You know, I originally wrote it down as a loss uh, because of what um, Tom had alluded to earlier because I was thinking the same thing that they might get us this time. But then again, after listening to uh, Hassan's take on this I was also thinking the same thing too and I'm like you know what I'm not scared of Baltimore Uh, even though there is a possibility that we do lose this game I'm feeling frisky about it I've changed my answer I'm going with the win
1: All right, that's noted the vote is in I just
0: don't. I don't back of my mind I don't trust the coaching staff yet
1: fair enough I mean there's been examples to not trust them and there's been examples to trust them so You know, we'll see what happens that week. It's it's a ways away. There's a lot that can happen before then, injury-wise, momentum-wise, everything. You know, scheme-wise, maybe we uncover more about Lamar to defend. Or there's a lot that can happen before then. Based on the 2-1 to vote, I'm going to put that down as a win. All right, two games left. Patrick Mahomes. Pretty crazy how everyone's so down on him. I really always thought he was on his way to becoming the best quarterback in the NFL I don't know what's going on. You know, Sands, you could probably shed some light on that. But let's let's take it first as far as the vote goes. Home against the Chiefs. Tom, is that a win or a loss?
0: Win. Chiefs have no defense. I'm, I'm going win.
1: That is a true point. Sands, what are you thinking?
3: Uh, I'm, I'm going loss. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to figure this out. He, he looked like he had it pretty figured out last night. So... That's just real tough to play them when when they're getting hot. Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, uh, they might not have a defense but I think they could put up 40 and I don't know if the Bengals can match that. So
2: I'd put it as a loss.
1: Justin, you want to cast the deciding vote on that?
2: Man. I think this could be a surprising flex game um, because based off of the predictions that we, I've already kind of had, we're coming in hot and the Chiefs just like what Sands alluded to, they seem like they figured it out, albeit it was against a struggling Raiders team. I still need to see more from the Chiefs before handling the keys to the will of, okay, that they're back to being the AFC supremacy team again. But I think that this could be a team that we can go toe-to-toe with. Um, it is here at home. It's going to be one fun game to watch. But I am agreeing with Sands. I think this is going to be a loss.
1: Yeah, and the reality is we can't win them all, and we have us down for a lot of wins on the back end, and I'm foreseeing that as well. But, yeah, there's going to be some games that, you know, that catches up to you. It's going to be nice to see Burrow battle Herbert. Hopefully we get the edge there. And then Burrow battle Mahomes. You know, that'll be a nice coming-out party if he ends up having the better game. All right, last game of the year. We know it's going to be an important one. We've already talked about the struggles against these guys. So, at Browns, Tom, what do you think?
3: Man, it's, I mean,
0: uh, all equal. In the last game do you, got to think injuries. I'm not a homer, so I'm going to go loss.
1: Understood. Sands, what are your thoughts?
3: It could be a win. It's just uh, this team has been the Bengals kryptonite for the past, like, three, whatever, since Baker got there. He's not a great quarterback, but when he plays the Bengals, he turns into everything that the Browns want him to be. Got it as a loss because I just haven't seen them play this team well, I think, at all since Zach Taylor has been here.
1: Justin?
2: Well, I already kind of been a spoiler and said that I feel like the Bengals can beat the Browns uh, earlier when we were talking about this uh, matching up poorly against Cleveland. I'm, and I'm going to stick to my guns. I mean, we said the same thing about the Ravens. You know, when you know, we were saying, oh, we haven't beat Lamar, so we're going to just automatically mark it down as a loss until we beat Lamar. And I think the same holds true when it comes to Baker and the Browns. I think this is the game, it should have been the last game, but I think this is a game where you can actually prove it to yourself that, okay, you're not going to let Cleveland overrun you anymore. You've already beaten Pittsburgh. You've already beaten Baltimore in their environments. Cleveland, albeit, it can be a tough place to play as those fans get rocking. It's no Cleveland, and I'm sorry. It's no Pittsburgh, and it's no Baltimore. And especially, we beat Baltimore when they were high and mighty, coming off of their five straight victories. I don't see this happening for four straight wins, if I'm not mistaken. I don't see us losing to Cleveland a second time and getting swept again for
1: the second straight year in a row. I got this as a dub. I'm hoping that's the case. So overall, we, as a group, we're saying that the Bengals are going to go ten and seven this year and although you know there may be a little bit of a homer factor because we love this team so much i don't know i think if you put that out there to people and said hey we're going to be 10 and 7 9 and 8 at worst i don't i don't know if you'd have a lot of people disagreeing so i think i think no matter how we came up with this list i think it's it's pretty accurate and if they go 10 and 7 that is a playoff berth and once you're in the playoffs anything can happen and we have a quarterback that's cold as ice so you know, we're not going to have those meltdowns in the playoffs with Joe Burrow. I can't see it happening. If it happens once, maybe, but I can't see it being a recurring theme with that warrior mentality. All right, let's move on to the last part of the show. And um, I'm going to ask you guys just some really rapid-fire questions. And we'll just, if you can, just give a very short one-word or sentence answer on each. So here we go. Do you pay Jesse Bates' top three safety money? Sands, do you?
3: Yeah. Uh, he's a great player. I know his PFF grades whatever, have been down. I think it's just a little bit of variance, a little bit of he had a couple bad tackling games. I still think he's been good in coverage for the most part. Overall, yeah, pay him. Justin?
2: Absolutely pay him. In the game that he didn't play, you you very much saw that he, he could have been much more of a helpful hand if he would have played in that game. And when he's on the field, he makes a great he – he just adds so much more to the team. I would definitely pay him top three safety money.
1: Tom, I know you're very big on front office. That's kind of your specialty. Does Tom Tom McLevy, GM, pay Jesse Bates 15 million a year?
0: Uh, You have to. It just – everybody on that team says he's a leader. It just shows the rest of that locker room that the Bengals' ownership is committed to winning and not being chintzy like they've been in the past. Uh, that they're going to sign their own players, and especially Bates, who has been a, should, should have been an all-pro last year, that uh, they're not going to be cheap.
1: Yeah, and I, I agree that they should re-sign him really for morale, and I think he's had a worse season this year than last year, but we're all forgetting exactly what I said earlier with Burrow. Jesse Bates had a neck injury, and it just got, you know, he missed a week, and he never misses time, and it just kind of gets, got swept under the rug, oh, he's good to go, he's good to go, that might be lingering a little more than we thought, guys, and I think that might be affecting his play, but yeah, you, you, you got to pay the guy the money, he's a leader, he's shown that he can be elite, and you know, and they paid Hubbard 10 million a year, I think, you know, Bates is worth 14, 15 million, it's, it's a lot of money, it's tough to say, but yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna side with all three of you guys. All right, next question, very quickly, favorite free agent pickup from the last two years. Over the last 200 million dollar spending spree, who's your favorite one out of them, or who do you think has worked out best, Justin?
2: I'm gonna go with Larry Ogunjobi. It, um, I understand that he only signed a one-year deal, and I know that I got a lot of favorites on the fridge and pickups that we have. But Larry Ogunjobi is my favorite one. He is being the reincarnated version of what we hoped Geno Atkins was going to be during the last year that he was. And Larry Joby just had that big body. And I, he's just been my favorite one so far. He's been like the anchored after, like You know what, he's going be to be in there to the knife underneath the guards and centers and just to stop the run. And I really like what I'm seeing from him.
1: He's having a monster year and he's been a major difference maker moving from one technique in Cleveland to three technique here. The only bad game that I saw him have was against Cleveland. And I wonder if it's just because they're so good up front or, if, you know, maybe from going against them head to head every day, they knew more about him than most teams. That was the only game where he didn't perform at an elite level, in my opinion. Sands, who's your favorite free agent pickup of the last two years?
3: DJ Reader, I think that he has been one of the best nose tackles in the entire league and he's the reason that the linebackers are having career years
1: that was going to be my guy so you, you kind of stole my thunder there but great minds think alike, I do agree he kind of opens up everything for everybody on that defense his numbers, you know, it's not a huge amount of sacks, not a huge amount of tackles but he's occupying a double team and pushing the pocket a lot this year so yeah, Sands, That's that's an excellent choice as well Tom, what are you thinking over the last two years?
0: I'm going to say Henderson. I was a little concerned about was he a product of the environment around him, i.e. the players from New Orleans. But I I think he's done well uh, for the money he's being paid. I think he's really boosted the pass rush.
1: Definitely. I've been calling him a game wrecker. You know, he's got the eight-and-a-half sacks – you know, I know he's missed some tackles. There was a stat that he's missed like 20% of his tackles. I don't know. I, I guess if you really break down the film, you can pick apart a lot of guys. But I think he's, he's been a very positive contribution to this team. And really, and I'm not just trying to say this because you're, you're my guys, but all three of the, the players that you mentioned are right up there. I think they're all, you know, probably the top three free agents that we have signed over the last couple of years. And that's why the defense is playing well. And, it, of course, we have to add in the caveat, except for the last two weeks, but aside from that, it's been a totally different defense than we're used to. No,
0: nobody said uh Shinobi uh, No, uh, wait, wait.
1: Oh, God. I, what, <laughs> he's played a game and a half for us, I think, or two, two games in two years. A disaster. Uh, and, Sands, you might know the number better than I do. Are they paying him like 12 or 13, is it?
2: Oh, man. Waynes, I think it's even more than that. I, I don't know. Yeah. I think it was 14. Oh, year, like you know, They front loaded the contract, if I'm not mistaken.
1: You know, you win some, you, say, you lose some. I will say
2: not to mention uh, Shadobia Owozier because I know their fans are going to be listening to the show. They're going to be like, why did nobody bring up Shadobia Owozier? And he was my next guy that I was going to bring up. But Larry O'Keefe, he just cannot ignore what he's doing, too. I know he's underruling your deal, and we signed Shadobia Owozier for a longer deal. And I love it because he has been everything that we thought William Jackson should have been. Um, and cheaper. And, you know, so I definitely had to throw an honorable mention out there for Shadobio Z- Z- Wuzier. Nice.
1: Yeah, he's he's really contributed to this defense. And it's not just the coverage. It's the tackling ability. You know, he's not giving up a lot of extra yards. He's, he's hitting the guy and the guy's going down for the most part. Sands, if you could watch a game with any player or coach throughout Bengals history, just anyone in our history, you hang out in your living room, watch a game with. It could even be a current player. I don't care. Who would you want to hang with and watch a game with?
3: i will go back to uh, Mike Zimmer. I <laughs> think that would be interesting. Uh, pretty talkative. Seems like a guy you could share a beer with, watch the game, and you could yell about what the defense is doing wrong.
1: Oh, I think that would be an excellent pairing, you and him. Forget it. You He, he would stay for four hours after the game while you guys broke down bare fronts and whatnot. I love it. Uh, Tom, what about you? Who would you want to hang with to watch a game?
0: I'm going to say Paul Brown. Just the fact of listening to him watch the Bengals game and how he thought his kid has done since taking over.
1: That's an excellent one, and that, that is high on my list as well. Justin, what about you? How can you not say Chad Ochoceno? Oh my goodness,
2: he would throw the lavish parties ever. He seems like he's always in tune with every single player. I love his reviews on Madden when he does the Madden ratings reviews with a lot of different players from each week to week. He would be one of my favorite people to just watch a game with.
1: And you know, you'd be in the same boat as Sands with Zimmer. You couldn't get rid of him. It'd be like two in the morning, and you're like, "All right, bro, I had a good time." And he'd still be like, "No, oh, no, let's hang. We'll get McDonald's in the morning." But, uh, yes, to go get McDonald's in the morning too. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. Those are three great choices, and and I would watch a game with joy with any of those guys. If you asked me, and this might be weird, he's not necessarily a, a touted Bengal anymore, but I I would say Marvin Lewis. I just always, I just always enjoyed his wisdom and his take on things, and his calmness and his. I don't know, there's just something about Marvin Lewis that I've always really respected as a human being. And he knows the, the game of football inside and out. I think it would be fun to watch a game with him and see how he broke down things. So that would, that would be my vote.
3: Well, to add to that, I listened to a coach that coached with Marvin Lewis before, and uh, he said there's not a coach that he's ever been around that has been more knowledgeable about every single player so there would be a, a ton to learn with uh, Marvin there uh, just he knows everything from offensive line to defensive backs to anything involving football so I think that's a great answer
1: uh, thank you Sands and I actually did meet him I went to training camp years ago and he was just standing on the field by himself and there was like an open gate and my girlfriend had the nerve to just walk out on the field and because she was like a pretty young girl no one stopped her and she's like Coach Lewis and he was like hello. And he he was like, my boyfriend idolizes you. He wants to meet you. He waved me over. I came out, shook his hand, really just shook his hand, took a picture. There wasn't really time for a conversation, but it it really was a very exciting moment for me because at the time he was like my idol. When I went there, I wanted to meet him more than any of the players. All right, last thing. This is your Santa Claus jersey wish list that I know I've done with Tom and Sands before. And, guys, this doesn't mean that I'm buying you an authentic jersey for Christmas. But I still would, just if I were, who would you want a jersey of and what color would it be? Tom, I know you recently bought a Logan Wilson orange, so you can't say that anymore. What would be your jersey choice and who?
0: Well, after the Ravens games, I ordered two more. Black Chase, White Burrow. It was just the fact that I bought in after
1: that Ravens game Sands, what about you?
3: Yeah, um, I think last time I think I answered the same exact thing but I just haven't I keep waiting for him to get a long-term deal uh, so I'm going with Jesse Bates in black
1: Love it Justin, what about you? Oh my gosh! Now I gotta probably come up a little something different because
2: since we're on the same token, since again you know, I'm waiting for him to sign a long-term deal, yeah. and he potentially changes his number because I thought that there was rumors for him to change number to three. But let's say he does sign
1: a long-term deal, I was gonna say a Jesse base orange uh, jersey. I would want a Joe Burrow black, or I w- I want a Joe Burrow black, a Joe Burrow white, and a Joe Burrow orange. But uh, I would go for the Joe Burrow black first. It's, I just love when they wear black on black too i want to thank you guys this was a meeting of incredible bengal fans great people knowledgeable i had a great time i learned from you guys i I love doing this show with you that's why the three of you are here you're all superstars and don't forget me when you're all big and famous sans how do people find you on social media
3: you find me at bangles underscore sans on
2: twitter
1: justin how do people find you on social media
2: I am on Instagram at juddy13, J-U-T-T-Y, 1-3.
1: That'll do it for this episode. Next episode is going to be a review of the Raiders game and a preview of the second game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music, definitely something you should check out. Thank you for listening to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, And I'm a Bengals fan for life.
0: The Unofficial Bengals Podcast